Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Teixeira. Sitting next to me again is John Teixeira. And this week, we have our special guest, Jonathan Cook, the executive consultant with RevUp Mastery. This week, we are going to be discussing maximizing the resident experience. And if you guys have any questions about this topic or anything else, property management, real estate, investing related, give us a call, 817-818-9039, or shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. Now let's get into it. Thank you for coming on with us, Jonathan. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be a part of this. We, no, sorry, go we ahead. are as well. Yeah, no, this is a. Uh, our listeners don't know this, but we 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 would love any time we get to spend with Jonathan talking about these oh. these things. So, <laughs> you know what? And this is an exciting topic, and I think a good one. That's really why we wanted to bring Jonathan in because people don't think about this topic very much, right? When they're talking about, when they're thinking about moving into the investment, you know, realm, um, maybe even the investor that has 10 properties, they may not even think about that resident experience enough, right, Jonathan? I mean, and and the reason why we brought Jonathan on is because of his vast experience um, in the property management realm. He's got a really unique experience where he gets to see how a lot of different companies run their business and and how the resident experience affects that, right? Oh, definitely. Um, I've been in the industry for some 15 odd years as a real estate agent, property manager, uh, business development manager, a bunch of different things. Um, Becoming a consultant over the last year, uh, you know, I'm the executive consultant at RevUp. And so my job, uh, allows me to basically help property managers scale. And so I work with property managers that focus on, you know, a concierge style of service and investor style service and all sorts of different things. And when I'm helping people create that marketing message, when we're talking about how we explain what property management is and why it's important to investors, uh, one of the benchmark topics that, that I you know, like to sit here and discuss is why the resident experience is important and then explaining that to investors. Yeah, because that is How hard. It's bottom line. And, it, and it's, it's so to your point, Jonathan, because you're talking to property managers, let's bring this back to the individual investor. It's a lot harder for that individual investor to provide that experience um, versus a property manager that has the tools, the know-how and the experience to do that. Is it not? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's a scale. It's a, it's a question of scale. If you manage one property that's your own, how many softwares and, you know, how much investment have you spent in the concept of managing that property? I thought Jonathan uh, was going to leave it. At, it's a, it's a question of scale. He did such a good job of summarizing it. I thought, <laughs> you know, this is a podcast. We need to explain this stuff. You just going to summarize everything like that. Well, we're talking about performance benchmarks too. Like we're actually talking about the actual bottom line, you know, performance of your portfolio is tied to the resident experience. And I guarantee you most investors, if not all investors, especially if they do it themselves, don't think that, you know, they're, what's my rents, you know, how, how often are they occupied? And that's pretty much it. You know, those, those, those things that don't involve somebody else's experience that, you know, you think is irrelevant. Well, how about the biggest factor that that directly ties to the resident experience and to the owner's bottom line would be turnover costs, right? So if a resident is not moving because they're happy, because they're enjoying their experience, 
the longer they stay there, the longer it is between turnovers, the less you have in turnover costs over the over the life of owning that piece of property. I mean, that's the yeah. most obvious, the most obvious one, right? It's it's one of those things that I mean, I I also teach classes to real estate investors, and that that exactly that point is one of those that I find it shocking that less people than do already know this uh, are aware of. So it's the most expensive cost to an investor is vacancy and turnover, right? So it's vacancy and turnover because you can't get that that loss back. If you lose a month's worth of rent, you don't get that back. If, if I have to replace the roof, that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Reinvesting in the property, I'm going to have to replace the roof eventually anyways. Yeah. The roof is going to deteriorate. The water heater is going to deteriorate. Like right. You need to do maintenance. Right. But vacancy, that's like time. You can't get time back. You can't get vacancy back. Vacancy days are what cost investors more than anything else. I'm constantly trying to drive that home to to my investors, to other people that are they're getting into it. Focus on your vacancy days, get it done, and um, don't worry so much about like obviously everybody wants to worry about the rental price, right? But yeah. if you're haggling over twenty five bucks versus you know getting somebody in fifteen days sooner. I mean, get them in there 15 days sooner because that costs you way more. Yeah, well, I mean, like, how do you how do we reduce vacancy? I mean, of course, finding a tenant quickly. Mm-hmm. That's step one. A good tenant. But like, if you have to find a tenant, a good tenant, you know, once a year, even if you do it quickly. That's costly. What's quickly? One, a, a month? A day, a, uh, you know, a, a vacancy period of a month? Yeah. If you have one month per year that it's vacant. That's, that sucks. Didn't they used to? <laughs> that made me snort, Jonathan. That was so so good. It made me snort. We, but we say amazing. Like even if you you say good tenant, even if you have an amazing tenant, you know most of them know that they're good tenants or whatever. You know they pay. What are the good tenants? They pay rent on time. They keep property up. All that stuff. They've got good credit and they go buy houses. Yeah. Well, no, not even that. The the giving them a good experience, a bad experience, will make them leave. You know, that's really where the resident experience comes comes down to is they know they can go get another place they know or they have options, yeah. a good experience could be the difference between they stay with you for four years and don't want to move or they leave the second that lease is up after the first year, you mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, you can find the best tenant in the world. Resident experience still plays a factor is really what that comes down to. So, so, so how do we, so let's talk about this. How do we improve the resident experience? How do we maximize that? From a a landlord operating themselves, or improve it from how you guys currently operate a resident experience. Y'all's resident experience is pretty fantastic, actually. So, especially in comparison to a a self managing landlord. Mm-hmm. I think I asked the question just in general, Jonathan. Like, right. so so anybody listening, if there's, I know there's about three and a half people that listen to our <laughs> podcast on a regular basis. I'm focused on that half person. John. Okay, there we go. Let's talk <laughs> to that half person, and and so, but I have no idea who's listening, and I assume there's people listening that that aren't investing yet, but they wish they were. Um, maybe they're just getting started and taking some action. Maybe they've got five, 10 properties and maybe they've got a hundred who knows, but, but anybody who might be listening that isn't thinking about the resident experience, what would you say to somebody they should be doing to make sure that that was maximized? 
So the first aspect of it is is providing a level of baseline convenience. Um, a tenant doesn't own this property. They're not gaining equity on it. Mm-hmm. So because of the fact that they've chosen to rent instead of own, you as a owner, landlord, whatever, you are making the profit off this this property. So providing a well-maintained property on that baseline, that's number one. You've got to keep the property in good condition. If the roof does need to be replaced, even though it's expensive, you got to replace that roof. You got to replace that water heater. You got to fix maintenance items as they come up, and you've got to do it timely. Step one. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Kyle. Twenty-four-seven maintenance is a baseline of minimum expectations for a resident at this point. And and so I would take what Jonathan just said, which is probably extru- the most important step to making making a, a resident experience, you know, a positive one. But with that would be communication, right? So yeah. because along with that maintenance, if you've got a tenant that is calling you for everything, right? Things that they shouldn't be calling you for because they shove their rubber ducky down the drain and they think that it's now your job to go get it out. Um, you know, some education involved in how to maintain a home, not to shove rubber ducky down the drain, right? And how to reset a garbage disposal, some education and some communication, right? Would go along with that. And, and, what do you do when, when your tenant calls you? If you have one of those that's calling you constantly for things that they shouldn't be calling you for, how do you handle that? How do you communicate with them? Do you get angry with them and make the problem worse? And, and you know, that's that communication is extremely important and goes right along with what you just said. Right, Jonathan? Absolutely. I, I don't think there's ever a reason to get angry at a tenant because they're trying to keep your property maintained. You have to tell them what their responsibilities are. Right. Make that clear upon lease. Look, you put a rubber ducky down the toilet or whatever. That's on you. We will still come fix it because I don't want you to have to fix it. If you if you don't right. know that you can't flush a rubber ducky down a toilet, you probably don't know how to fix it once you've done right. that. Right. We will right. come fix it. We're going to charge you for it. Yeah. But if, if they're calling about every little thing, if, if, if it's my property and I'm managing this on my own and I have another job other than property management, I don't want to answer that phone. Of course I don't. I'm busy. I'm doing other things. I have a property manager answering that phone call. Well, then I, my my mind is at peace because yeah. that property manager should be answering that phone like, hey, you can't do this. You shouldn't do that. We'll fix it. We're going to come and fix the problem. We're going to charge you for it. You need someone to manage that communication for you. Mm-hmm. That that's a baseline answer, and and it, not angrily, because you don't you never want a tenant to start clamming up and say, "Well, clearly I'm annoying my property manager. Mm-hmm. I guess next time there's an issue, I'll just try and figure it out myself." And then, mm-hmm. lo and behold, point. I didn't let you know that the water heater is ruptured because, like, oh, I'll put <laughs> duct tape on it. I'll fix it. What a great now, point. Now the flooring is messed up and. All kind of bad stuff. Well, you guys touched on this, but I think another uh, statement of that is is just clear and sensible expectations, right? Because I see that a lot. And I say sensible because we take over leases a lot. Um, I have, I know a lot of people that I've talked to. I have friends that at, get at some points, they want me to review leases and you hear all the horror stories, but like landlords will sometimes put things in leases that you just cannot put in leases 
or you can, but whatever, like, you know, the shouldn't. resident experience shouldn't, can't, whatever right it is. Right off the bat, we've disregarded like, the resident experience. Up to $200 for whatever happens every time you call me, you're paying for it. Or, you know, up to this. Or if this specific thing happens, you're responsible for this piece and, you know, the... They're just like, why? I mean, that's... Jonathan, we, we see this all the time when we take over leases. Kyle, Kyle's, I'm sure you've seen it too. Homeowners will do the, the, the craziest things, making, forcing their tenants to do their maintenance. Now, yeah. you know, there's the things that are appropriate to have tenants maintain, right? That they can control. Um. You know, pest control, landscaping, stuff like that should totally be 100% a, a tenant thing. But, you know, like to, to Kyle's point, I've, I can't tell you how many of those leases we've seen where the first $750 is is on you. And then, you know, it's just crazy. Maintain you know, my property seen, for me. I've seen a lot of silly leases in my day. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. doing this for a while. And, you know, you take, over, you take over somebody's property that I've been managing this on my own for eight years. And my lease originally was on a napkin. And now I at least printed something out. <laughs> you start looking through it and it's just chaos. And they got it down at Staples. And it, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like, even hold it's water. It's 47 and a half pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, and sometimes they didn't even make it convenient on themselves. It's like, yeah. how do you keep track of this? It's like... All right. Well, if you're on time, your rent reduces. If you're late, your rent increases. And I'm like, well, oh, when, when do they, that. That's like, what is that? When idea. does it? When does it stay the same? Do you when you pay on the first by you know between two and four o'clock? I mean, like, I don't. <laughs> I have do to pay. I have to pay at eleven fifty nine on the first to pay what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Next month, it, it's going to go down. So I'm going to be late. I'm going to pay at 12:01 on the second. That's how we keep it. We got to we got to balance it. I, I had one. I had a friend recently. He was like, you know, I was gonna, you know, we didn't have one in their area, or whatever. But they they they're like, I'm renting this place, and I uh, I picked it, and I was good with it. But then I got the lease, and they wanted me to review it, and I'm like. Well, I don't necessarily just what's what's the what's the problems, and I'm just and they tell me, and I'm just like, yeah, you can't do that. Um, I'm not gonna say specifically what they were, but I'm like, yeah, your property code won't allow you to do that. So I'm like, I mean, you can, you can, I guess, go sign it, and then it can't be enforced later. I don't know, you know, it's just, but that's that's the experience. It's not consistent, it's not clear, and it's not sensible, right? Yeah. You know. So, and these are things, Kyle, that now we're talking about you know, maximizing the resident experience, these people clearly are right off the bat are showing you that they don't care about the resident experience at at the signing of the lease. So you know what you're going to get throughout the lease, right? What kind of tenant do you think you're going to put in a property where that's your baseline? A desperate one that can't get some, some, can't, can't rent anything else. And who wants that tenant? Not me. Let's talk about a good tenant. What does a good tenant look like? How do you catch them? Yeah. The best there, there's a there's a best version of a tenant in every market value, right? Huh. There, there's a best version of a six hundred dollar a month tenant that exists. There's somebody that their income keeps them at that range, but there's a best version of it that pays on time and t- takes good care of the property. This but is- there's also a bad version of a five thousand dollar a month tenant, right? Right. 
I'll tell you the best tenant, and this is not the good tenant conversation or what we look for, but I mean, you get a homeowner that got relocated here for three years from some job that pays way too much. I mean, that's... And they're used to keeping... (laughs) They're not buying anything. They're stuck here for three years and they're used to keeping up with the house, right? So those are the rare case. Well, how do you find them? What do you offer to get that tenant? You have to offer more than a lease that's 47 pages long that doesn't make any sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, have to offer a resident experience, right? Yeah. So, so to so John, look like? yeah, simplification to Jonathan's point. How about how about this? A, a point you started to make there, Jonathan, at, at the very beginning when we started this conversation was was convenience. How about offering the convenience from step one? Okay, I want to tell you what I heard yesterday, and and I think people think this all the time, but they don't say it out loud. I get phone calls from people all the time on our vacant properties, okay? I take those phone calls on my phone, and they call, and they say, hey, I'm calling about 123 Main Street. I'm just And, and I tell them, I'm going to send you a link to your phone, to, to, to my web, to the page right now, where you can get all the information you need. You can, if it's vacant, you can set up a self-showing and do online application. Yeah. Now, how easy is that in this day and age? How easy. So and, and I had somebody tell me that and they're like, wow, that was so simple. You answered all my questions and that sounds so simple. I can't wait to get the link. Thank you. Yeah. And they hung up. Yeah. That's the extent of the conversation. And then the experience goes exactly the way, you know, they get a unique one-time code. They get to go online and do a, an easy to fill out application. So, okay. So what I'm demonstrating here is right off the bat, the resident experience is already a simple good one with clear communication. So already you've demonstrated that this is important to us from, from yeah. before we've even chosen you. Exactly. Well, let's take, take that a step further. What, what's the next step? We've already got online convenience. I know that we take this for granted, but online rent payment. Yeah, no, that was like, that's where I was Isn't going that with the that. Next step? Yeah, yeah, that's that's like baseline as baseline gets these days. Well, right? it should be, well, but we it's not. Think that. Yeah, it's not though. That's it's not. I know. That's the point. I mean, when we take over and people are like, "I can pay you how?" and I'm like, "Any way. I mean, name it. You can pay me that way." And they're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't have to take off a whole day on the first to go to some bank that's thirty miles away." Like, you, you, you really, it really does happen. I have a I open have, up your phone and hit. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at right. that. Exactly. Set it on auto payment. Yo, whatever you want. I have like, a property manager. You, I have a yeah. property manager that's retiring that we just got 10 properties from <laughs> today. You know how I got the properties? He walked them into my office with 10 folders and a spreadsheet of the security deposits that he wanted me to physically sign off on. Jonathan, if you were sending me 10 properties, how would you do it? Uh, with an email? There you go. It's 2023. There's nothing more to that answer, is there, John? You know how far away really his office is? Sorry. <laughs> Should there have been more? His, uh, his office is 24-minute drive from my office. I know that because I've made it. That means that he spent 48 minutes driving there and back, 10 minutes in my office for no good reason when he could have just emailed it. So to your and point, he handed you a stack of trash and said, you digital. Yeah. So now we're going to scan it and throw it away and shred it. We have, we still, have, we, we, these have been moving around our places in our office for about four years. We have these initial inspection CDs 
that we got from a property manager that I have refused to take the time to go rip. I'm like, one day if we need, when we need these inspections, it's probably only got like 60 pictures. <laughs> yeah, I will dump this in a computer with a CD reader, use them, and then throw that thing away. And Nick, and Nick's always like, why don't you go rip this? And I'm like, it's it's the precedent of time. I'm not going to take the time. We've done we've done five inspections on the property since then. So how important is that inspection, is. really? Yeah, I mean, uh, recently I had an investor. Um, tell asking me how he could get me like the files for this big chunk of land that he wanted me to look at. And he's like, Hey, you know, we're talking with some developers and blah, blah, blah. Let me send you all the, let me get you all the files. And I'm like, okay, yeah, just sh shoot them over. And he's like, all right, I've got them on a CD and I've got them on a USB drive. And I'm like, I have an Apple. I don't even have, I like don't a even <laughs> have the ability <laughs> to do that. Like, what? Can you not put it in a drive? Like Google drive, man. Like, Learn how to use the cloud. Uh, Just send me a link. What are we doing? <laughs> and it, go pick up a CD at some point <laughs> and find a CD reader. Yeah, I, I walked around the office the other day. This actually happened the other day again. And I'm like, crap, I got rid of all my compute, all our computers that had the ability to read these things. I'm like, well. You know, this has become a technology conversation, <laughs> but do you remember the time when you literally took a CD player out of an old laptop and created a cardboard box and created like a CD, external CD drive so that yeah. just so that you can pull something like that off of a CD? Because I absolutely refuse to go buy one. It's like, we will <laughs> never need this again. Um, so yeah, that that, that happens. So. They they can't be more than like a few hundred bucks at this point. But <laughs> so, okay, yeah, it has become a technology conversation. But let's switch that back over to tenants. If you're trying, if you're if you're running your your rental properties with pen and paper, what are you providing? Are you providing convenience services to your tenants? Right. Like, What's your resident? Hey, do they have to come and pay you with a paper check? Right. That's not how, very how convenient. How do you do an inspection? Do you take like a notepad and walk through it? Right. Do you right. do inspections? Do uh, you provide a resident benefits package? What What are you doing? Mm -hmm. How are you like when we're talking about like how technology has grown in the past, even like five or six years in the property management industry? Think of all the technologies that we've grown. Like we talked about maintenance earlier. Can we talk about something? like a maintenance software and why that makes a resident experience more valuable. Cause they can track the history and they can track what's going on. Just, you know, it's similar to how the owner can, but they aren't blowing you up trying to figure out what's going on. Cause they, you know, they know they, they had the communication, you know, whether it's communication that nothing's going on, that's still valuable then, or we're waiting on something it's still valuable than lack of knowledge because lack of knowledge turns into work for us, work for you, work for the landlord. You know, well, so. and, and communication, it's always comes down to communication. And to Jonathan's point, the technology is making it easier to communicate effectively and efficiently. Right. Um, I don't know how, I don't know if most people are like me. I feel like society might be getting more like me in that the last form of communication you check is probably email. At this point, Correct, and I'm, I'm not trying to say it's unimportant. I have important emails and I have to skim through it. I got to try to remember to skim through it at least once a day, but I get so many text messages, voicemails, DMS. I don't know, whatever else there is. There's so much stuff. All of our apps have their own messaging system. Our, 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 
PM software has its own messaging system. I'm monitoring all of that stuff all day long takes me all that's a full-time job. Just, I mean, it takes me all day to do that. I'm lucky to, to open up my emails. Usually my email is more like a search tool at this point. <laughs> It is. It's an archiving tool. It's a it's a search tool. Jonathan's texted me and said he sent me something. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna Google Jonathan Cook and oh yeah, there it is. Or not Google, I'll search it on my email. But, I, I spend six and a half hours a day on video conferences like this. Six and a half hours a wow. day on average. Consulting with clients, consulting with property managers. And so email is what I scroll through at 6 30 7 o'clock and i'm like all right i know i gotta do all this i'm gonna separate these out let me readdress all this stuff uh text messaging man good great so recognizing that yeah so recognizing that should is is one way to improve that and maximize that experience for residents right if you're sending your residents emails all the time and that's all you're doing then like me Oh, sorry. Like me and like you, Jonathan, like, like probably a good part of our society, there's a good chance you're not seeing that email, at least yeah. for today. Well, I'd argue that Jonathan's probably secretly checks, checked his text messages during this call. He probably hasn't checked his email. See, twice. 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 I saw him. See? I saw him do it once. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to cinch him out. I, ha- I have a sick eight month old. I've got to check on him occasionally. <laughs> I heard, I heard him cry. But that's the point. Like, you can quickly do it. It's accessible. Um, it's all about. We're, we're we're still we're still stuck on experience uh, the convenience of experience right because that's that's what it mainly comes down to so, so so keep going through that like okay maintenance can we talk about some of the softwares that are out there that that help make maintenance communication more efficient having some any software that has maintenance communication is a big part you know so you, you know what i would contend jonathan that has a lot less to do with the software there you're right True. there is some software that has the ability to make it easier but all of the software is available to you if you just use it the way it's supposed to be used and somebody follows up with it it doesn't matter what system you're using it's kind of like we talk about, and we're getting off topic. I don't know if our audience is going to like, lo- we're going to lose our audience here, but it's kind of like CRMs, right? Which is a yeah. contact management system. And and everyone needs one. Everyone should use one. And then they always try to find these shiny objects to make it easier and better when in reality, they're not even using the one that they have to its fullest extent. Yeah. yeah. Well, because they do so many things now, right? Yeah. But like, okay, so, I mean, the, the topic is resident experience. We're talking about communication. We're having trouble staying on that topic. It, it, it's, it's not really because these are all tangential around the resident experience. Mm-hmm. You've got to communicate with them. Well, yep. How do you do that? Yep. You send them messages. Well, what's, what are the most effective messages? What are the messages that we need to talk to them about? How do we make a resident have a better experience? We give them better communication. We can give them some level of benefits. How do they know about those benefits? Do we tell them once at least sign up or do we remind them? Yep. Which is communication again. It is. Well, it is. <laughs> Everything is communication. That's what every bit of this is. It's just how do you communicate effectively with the tenant, with the, with the resident? How do you make their experience better is you make communication for them easier. You simplify the communication, simplify the communication for what the expectation is for how they can make the, their required 
efforts to us make that simpler. Pay me, make make it to where payment is easier. Payment is nothing but communication. It's just communication of here. Here's one value. Here's another. It's just got to communicate. If I have to physically bring it to you, that's a pain in my backside. If I can hit a button and send it to you, it's way easier. That's a communication tool. But that's that's how this industry is run. That's how you provide a better service is you learn better ways to communicate. So to expand on communication a little bit too, Jonathan, I bet I bet you appreciate this. I always try to use for effective communication must include a lot of empathy, right? Yeah. And so when you're thinking about how do I communicate with my residents on a regular basis? What do I communicate with them for? Are you using empathy to figure that out, right? Like if you were in their shoes, how would you want to be communicated with? And, and, and we, we have, we do, you know, we use an automated kind of an automated feature in our system to send birthday messages. Well, that shows a little bit of empathy, right? And it could be more personal if we, if we get put more effort into it, but there's, there's different levels of that, that that you can do. But the, really the point is your tenant to make their experience better wants to know that you know they're a person and not just a tenant paying rent. Right. And if you could take those small opportunities to show them empathy and show them that you understand that they're a person just like you, right? Mm -hmm. Then the resident experience becomes so much better and so much easier to manage. Of course it does. I mean, everybody wants to know that they're heard, right? Well, and I I think this is, this, this all goes into the experience, but one of the biggest, one of the biggest ones is, what do you when when it hits the fan, right? What what's the experience for them then? That's yeah. really the ultimate test of the resident experience. When it's ninety eight degrees outside and your heater or your AC goes out, how did that experience go? Because it that alone will throw the rest under. It, it, it'll make or break the resident experience, right? They will come up for renewal six months later, and that that they could have loved you before and hated you after, you know, how prepared are you to respond? Uh, when, when there's things that are happening that you can't necessarily make any faster or any better, but you, you use empathy, like you said, to, to show that, you know, I know this is what you're going through and this is how we're dealing with it. This is why it's taking, going to take two days. This is why there's no way to speed that up any faster, you know, um, using that communication, but not, not just the communication responsiveness. I know in Texas, you need to be prepared with contractors that you trust and and will put you first or whatever it is when the summer comes along, because everybody's AC is going out. Um, (laughs) Does their tenant know that they got a property manager that can get somebody there that day? And then, you know, if, if it takes two days because of normal logistics things, they knew that that was the best you could have done, you know. Um, where where does that fall? Because they could love the convenience and the communication and all this stuff, but they're like, well, something bad happens again. I don't want to be stuck with these guys because they did not respond, you know. So I think that's that's really the – doesn't happen to everybody, but it, it can make or break the rest of it. So I think that's – that's what that's what our that's what our portable AC where our window units in a we got a shed full of them for that reason. That's nothing more than 
tenant experience, right? The resident experience. That's what that's for. If there's going to be a half a day, a day, two days of you not having AC, we've got a solution so that you can sleep at night and not, and, and when it's 105 degrees, right? Because that's empathy. We didn't buy those at four or 500 bucks a pop and pile them into a shed <laughs> for our benefit. Or because we had to, I mean. Or because we had to, we didn't have to, absolutely. Yeah. We did that to make, to make the resident experience better. And that in turn makes our life a little bit easier, right? And mm-hmm. probably worth every penny that we spent on those things. Even well, though we seem to lose more, them. There's more also on having a professional property manager that that understands that these things are going to happen mm. and performs a level of preventative maintenance, mm-hmm. provides yep. services that make the inevitable um you know take Less longer painful. to get to. Yep. You do you do something like an air filter replacement program, mm-hmm. which that seems so simple and it seems so passe probably to all of us because we do it, but like an, an air filter program, just, just, just make, just putting it into the lease itself. You're, you're responsible for changing this air filter. Mm-hmm. This is how you do that. This is where it's located. Yep. This is the size. Let yep. me show you what that looks like. Yep. You need to replace this every month. If you've been a, been in an apartment complex for 15 years and you've moved into your first single family property, you don't know what a return vent looks like. You've never had to do that. Yep. You've never been given that expectation. So a property manager saying, hey, this is how we do that. Make sure you do it because that's going to keep your AC running for longer. Yep. Just base level stuff here. Yep. And a professional property manager is able to express that, communicate that early, set an expectation so that the tenant, the resident, throughout their tenancy of the property is able to perform at a level that they know that they are respected and they're going to get the kind of service they need because it's already been explained to them. We've already had the walkthrough. We said, this is what we have to do. This is how the service works. This is how I'm going to take care of things for you. And this is what you can expect back in return. Mm-hmm. Yep. That doesn't seem like that hard of a thing to do. But no. I mean, that's because I've been doing that for 15 years. You guys have been doing that for a long time yeah. too. So to us, it doesn't seem that big deal. So Jonathan, I think I think I would like to take this in a little different direction. Let's let's look at the negatives of this if we could because I bet you'll appreciate this a little bit, Jonathan. Because you you get to see what a lot of people are doing and, and in the industry when we go to our trade shows, we see a lot of you know, a lot of these um resident benefit packages. And what what always strikes me is how people structure these resident benefit packages. Basically, Kyle and I talk about this all the time, how they're basically forced down the throat of these residents, things that they possibly don't need, or they had no choice on whether they were going to pay for it, right? Like, I'm going to charge you $65 a month for these list of things and not give you any choice in the matter whatsoever, even if four out of the five things you don't need, right? And so there is a great place in this industry, and I really like the fact that people are doing and thinking about the resident experience. That's the whole point of the resident benefit package. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think that some people take it too far, and it becomes a negative resident experience. Definitely. 
I, I, I see where that's issues. To me, that is typically market dependent. Okay. So if I am in, I'm going to use Birmingham, Alabama, for instance, and my rent is $1,500 because that's actually median across Birmingham. Birmingham is a very inexpensive place to live. But $1,500, and then you add an extra $65, $75 on top of that. You know what? I don't need a dog walking service. Mm -hmm. Like I I live in Birmingham. Like I'm not in some high rise doing all this stuff. I'm not used to $2,000 a month rents. Like that kind of extra level of service is something that never experienced. I don't need all that. I, I, you know, I do need an air filter. I do need some base level stuff, you know, report my credit. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Protect my identity. That That's great. But I, I don't need like a, you know, service that's going to deliver me, you know, food to the front door three times a month because I'm signed up. I live in Birmingham, man. Like you don't need that kind of thing, but I, but I get the convenience of that in a place like New York. Or LA mm-hmm. or Miami, Chicago. There are markets where that makes a ton of sense. But this is where it comes down to like the reality of America is every market is different. And yeah. if you're using a nationwide provider that says, let's 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 build an imaginary concept here and say, let's say there's a property manager that was originally based in Los Angeles. There's 19 million people in Los Angeles. Their largest book of business is probably Los Angeles. And they're they're most like aware resident experience, the part that they know about if they're based out of that is the LA experience. LA experience is going to require a lot of stuff. It's a much bigger market. It has a lot more options for it. So they, the, the kind of tenants that are renting there need all this extra stuff and $70 to them means nothing. If rent is $5,000 a month for an 800 square foot apartment, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now, let's take that same idea This is how we do property management. It is a one size fits all. Now I'm going to look at Jackson, Mississippi, where the median income is $28,000. Can I tack an extra $65 onto that $700 a month rent property? No, my tenant does not want to pay a dog walking fee or a, you know, (laughs) gym membership fee or what, like you just have to be aware of how your market reacts to what you're providing it needs to be a benefit right you know it, it needs to be a real benefit it needs to be a real benefit that's really what you're getting at so and yeah that's, and doesn't that go back to doesn't that circle back to empathy yeah definitely i mean 100 percent. if you're using empathy to make these decisions then then you don't need to worry about whether you're giving too much doing too much you definitely don't want to force things down i mean uh, you force things on people that are that are that are agreed to up front in a contract, right? Well, let's 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 frame this. Let's go back to framing this, like to to the listener, or the investor, who's like, you're talking about emotions over here. Why do I care again? You care because these emotions keep people in the property. Yep. Keep people wanting to stay in the property, and when people want to stay in the property, they want to pay the rent without you know, neglect, and they want to upkeep their home, right? Because to them, it's a home. It's where they live. They aren't looking six months, eight months down the road like, well, I'm I'm cutting this lease at the end anyway and not caring or, or, or even worse than that, being intentionally um, destructive to a property. Um, that's where those emotions do matter to your bottom line. Or I want, these people have done so good for me that even if after three years or four years or a year, that they want to give it back in as good of a condition as they were given it. 
a happy a happy tenant is a good business decision. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we oh, we want to keep it objective. This is all about business. It's make me the most money. Okay. The best business decision I can do for you as your property manager is to keep your tenant happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I don't trust tenants. Well, that's because you've done it yourself and you're bad at finding good tenants. Right. I'm sorry. That's My right. tenants are good. And so I want to keep them happy. That's right. That's, that's the big difference. That's it. kind of what my experience has been when landlords, landlords, individual landlords are like, I don't trust tenants. Tenants are terrible. All tenants are liars. It's because they do a bad job screening and finding good tenants. I bet if all I did was put a posting on Facebook or Craigslist and I accepted the first two or three applicants that came by, I would probably have bad tenant experiences as well. Well, and I think it's, 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 but they all suck. That's, that's a double standard with them too, because they don't trust tenants, but how do you pick your tenant? Oh, I find one that a gut feeling. First one that asked me to rent. Yeah, I had a gut feeling. I trusted this one or whatever. Like you, you draw a line in the sand. You know, you gotta you you use empathy and all that stuff while they're a tenant. When you're screening for a good tenant, you need to use the the factual things and and the know how of you how to have screen to someone. find the crazy before you ever sign a contract with them. Yeah, right. <laughs> then you don't have to deal with the crazy later. But then you, we'll you make sure they can afford a property is a baseline yes. thing that they don't do. Right. You know, like, yes. yeah. oh, well, he wanted this 2000 a month property. I'm like, well, he makes 2200 a month. <laughs> like, how do you how do you screen this guy? Well, he can he can afford it. You know, rents 2200 bucks total. He makes twenty four hundred dollars a month. That's he, he can afford. He's got four hundred bucks a month for utilities and gas and, and food <laughs> and <laughs> on that's a pretty extreme example you're setting yourself up for failure though well it's not extreme because there is people will put themselves in that position trust me the the tenants will john said that that was extreme i disagree i've seen i have seen some really poor what's the what's the excuse the second month well i had to pay an electricity bill that was it. You just had to pay an electricity bill. You know what, Jonathan? The reality is, I'm not usually honored with uh, with with the backstory of those decisions, right? So so rarely do I ever get the original application from a tenant when I take over a property. All I get is the crazy tenant. Yeah, of course you do. And there's their phone number and their email address. Go deal with it now. For some reason they just can't make their payments on time. All right, let me look at this original screen. All right, they make $1100 a month and we put them in a $1300 a month property. That's or you ask and it's like, "Oh, I didn't screen them." What's, what's the screen? <laughs> application? What I didn't screening. I have here's their ID. I'm like, "What does that do for you?" How about this? I mean, How about this, drive? y'all? 2023, there's literally services that you can pay that will give you landlord packages with pay stubs. Do landlord verification and everything. No, no, no. That $45, that $35 is not worth making sure that my tenant pays $3,000 for the next 12 months. It's not worth it. It's That's that's lost to me. That's what people think. It is. Of course. Well, like, <laughs> like in, in the worst case scenario, like, and I know this is going to come back to this, and it's not just specifically about a resident experience, but but what it comes down to just over and over for me is, Having a professional property manager run the business of your rental property is in every single case going to provide a better better resident experience than you yourself as an investor will be able to do. Period. I've I've not seen 
an instance where that wasn't at least the minimum case. And and we didn't. I completely agree with you, and it's for one reason we haven't even men- mentioned yet. It's the it's the separation of landlord and tenant, right? Because if you don't do, if your property manager won't do something for you, they don't necessarily be offended. It's their job, right? If your landlord won't do something for you, they could be offended, you know, because that's the land, that's the owner, you right? Separate they, that relationship. they could do something. Yep. You, not having that separation sets an entirely different expectation, and that's where you, you're, what you're saying is true. Having the professional property manager will just increase that experience off that alone. You know, because on both sides too, <laughs> they're not gonna. You won't get the people trying to take advantage of a property manager because oh, it's so much harder. It's yeah, just hard because they're like, I got a client to answer to. So, <laughs> what do you all say we sum this up? We've been at this a while and we're having some fun uh, on this conversation. Uh, if if I were to sum this up, Jonathan, it seems like we've talked about convenience, making it convenient for our tenants. We've talked about communication. Having really good communication with empathy, um, maintaining the pro- the property in in a timely and proper manner, and setting up really proper and good expectations for up front. Right? Yeah. We've 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 talked about we've talked about screening and all kinds of other stuff too. But but really, if I were to summarize this conversation to make a great resident experience. That's probably did I miss anything there? That's probably the oh, summary I of what think, we've talked about. I think you nailed it perfectly. That's yeah. exactly it. So can you know, convenience, communication, and expectations affect your bottom line. Yeah. Really? And, and, and so having those items taken care of, I mean it, it seems simple when you when you boil it down to four sentences, but listen to how crazy our conversation got, because all of those things are interconnected. And we all have these experiences we're drawing from. Yeah. yeah. It, well, absolutely. So yeah. so you've got to provide that. And then that alone is going to find you better tenants. Better tenants mean more money for everybody involved. I love it. Well, as we wrap this up, Jonathan, I want to, uh, because of what you guys do, I want to allow you to, to, to you know, briefly, briefly state what you guys do at RevUp, but also the, the aspect that you teach sales and to, you know, to to target these investors that you initially described to us because it goes great with with this topic. It really does. It does. And and I, I I really enjoyed the the ability to talk about the resident experience because mm-hmm. I, this is kind of near and dear to my heart. I recognize that it's one of the best ways to become a better property manager and thus find more clients is to be able to provide a re- better resident experience at RevUp Mastery. Um, our entire company's focus is helping property management companies scale to as high as they want to go. And scaling can mean things like learning new sales, foundational practices. It can be operationally minded. How do I you know, build this operation in a way that I can provide a great experience to my residents and my clients? Um, RevUp Mastery is a property management scaling company. I'm the executive consultant. So uh, I get to speak with all of our property manager clients. Um, I get to really kind of customize a plan to look forward to the scaling of a company. And that's that, you know, there's a lot of discussion about how we implement processes to make um, our resident experience better, how to make our client experience better. And then 
how to distill that into those four sentences that John uh, so so succinctly put together mm-hmm. and take that message out to the masses, out to the landlords that we're talking about that just will not be able to do this. There's a level of outreach that we have to get out and educate these people. And a lot of the answer to that education is you're not going to be able to do this on your own, Mr. Landlord. It's very difficult to do this on your own. You should choose a very professional property manager in your market to help you run these businesses better. This is how we compile that message to explain it to you, how we are your solution. And so, I mean, that, that's what RevUp does. We, we help put it all together and bite-size answers for you in our sales foundations and the operations side of things. You know, we can help you build that product. So, um, that, I mean, that's what we do here at RevUp. I, I, I enjoy every second of it. I get to meet wonderful, wonderful clients like these guys uh, <laughs> and, and other property managers all over the country. Well, Jonathan, we've enjoyed our experience with you. We've enjoyed knowing you and um, you have helped our business and, and we appreciate you very much for coming on our podcast and helping our listeners learn more about making, maximizing their bottom line by, by, by making the resident experience better. Yep. I appreciate you, Jonathan Cook with RevUp Mastery. You are awesome and we continue to do this, I'm sure. So it may not be the last time. (laughs) It has been an absolute pleasure. You guys are so fun to talk to. I could talk to you guys literally all day. (laughs) That's why I I text Kyle back and forth. Hey, Jonathan, tell us how how somebody were to get a hold of you if they needed to. You can reach out to me at Jonathan, which is just J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at RevUpMastery.com. You can also just visit our website, RevUpMastery.com. You can click through the Calendly links and schedule an appointment with either uh, myself or Maya Madden, our founder and CEO. Um, I write a lot of blogs on there. It's fun. I don't think I've discussed resident benefits or resident experience yet. It might be a good blog post for me to write hmm. into next. Interesting. But. Maya might be offended that we brought Jonathan on first, huh? Right? Yeah, maybe, maybe she maybe might Don't be. tell her that, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. No, she she was on a webinar last week. We're fine. Uh, I'll get get her in touch. I got you. Well, we'll get you back to your six hours of calls. We appreciate you coming on. If you guys uh, guys need any questions, have any questions about anything we talked about or want want us to connect you with Jonathan, you know, and have these great conversations, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. And thank you for listening. Bye. We out.